Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. NFL draft is in the books. We have a very special guest coming up. He's Dave Wanstead, the former Bears head coach, now an NFL analyst for NBC Sports Chicago, 670 the score. He also does great work for the Big Ten Network. Dave will join us in about 20, 25 minutes or so. But first, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. And as we sit down to record our new episode on an early Thursday evening, breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski, Mike Budenholzer has been fired as head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, breaking news just happened a couple of minutes ago and Stacy we speculated on our show last week that he could be in trouble based on the Bucks playoff failures the last couple of years and they obviously didn't waste any time in making this move we learned of the tragic death of Mike's brother during that playoff loss to the Miami Heat and you know the season's a long way off but they obviously decided let's make the move now and start planning for next season. Well, there's been a lot of disappointment in, in Milwaukee since they won the championship. There's been a lot of early exits, a lot of disappointing, especially when they had the number one team this season to go out the way they did against a team that was fighting for the playoff lights in the Miami Heat, who were coming in in the playoff game, I mean, the playing game. Um, frustrating, and it's it's really really tough about this time because he lost his brother like during right. that during that series, and it was it's really really a bad time, but this is a business, you know, um, it happens to everybody. Uh, Nick nurse won a championship not too long ago and he ended up getting let go. And, um, you know, now he's probably one of the hottest free agents out there. Uh, do you, you know, does Milwaukee say, Hey, look, you know what? We're not in a hurry to, to make a decision now. Let's see how, what happens after the playoffs are, are set. And maybe there's a coach that we didn't think was available is available. And then you still always can go back to Nick nurse and he's probably doing the same thing. Just waiting to see what's out there. 
The Bucks had the oldest roster in the NBA this year, and Brooke Lopez will be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Chris Middleton has a player option for this summer. He'll pro- he might opt in because Stacy, I think it's like forty one million. I don't know if yeah. he's going to find that anywhere else. No, nah, no, nah, especially especially coming off injuries. You yeah. know, he's been injured the last few years, and you know he was injured going into this series. So uh, I, I think he's going he's going to bet on himself and go ahead and take that forty one. That forty one million will will yeah. set him up pretty nicely for his future. <laughs> future generations yeah, of the exactly. Milton family. There's no question about it. But obviously you see the Bucks all the time. The Bulls play them four times a year during the regular season. Giannis is fantastic, but did you, did you see some chinks around the armor? Because the, the Bulls did beat him twice the first two times they played him this year. Well, I mean, listen, the Bulls get off, got, had their number this year. Let's just be honest. The Bulls played them really well. They had them, they played them really well in that playoff series last year and, um, you know, could have easily been two up 2-0 two mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. And then that could have been a totally different series. But we also live in a world would have, could have, should have. They, they went on, did what they had to do, and they ended up losing the second round without Middleton to Boston. Um, as you said, Mark, they're old. But, you know, they still have a team that can challenge for a title. Uh, maybe it was, it's time for a new voice, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe a guy like Nick nurse sees an opportunity here saying, wait a minute, I got one of the greatest players on the planet right now. He's, I didn't have this in, in Toronto, you know, except for Kawhi Leonard. And I when he did, for, he won a title yeah, with Kawhi. I won, a title, yeah. I won a title with Kawhi, but only had him for a few months. Mm-hmm. Now I got an opportunity to be with this guy for a few years until he's a free agent. Um, you know, but they're of course they've got to, you know, to get rid of some guys. You got you got to find somebody. I, I'm not a big Grayson Allen fan, not just because he he did what he did to our guy right, right. so. I just don't think you can start him. I think you you've got to find someone that you can. They really miss a guy like Brogdon. Brogdon, what he's done, right. six man of the year in Boston, and what he's done in Boston could have been doing that in you know in Milwaukee if they could have afforded him. Um, he's that good of a player. You know, he can play multiple positions. He's a good defender. He's a great three point shooter, and he's made a huge difference in Boston. I mean, he, I mean, came off the bench last night, and I mean, they destroyed Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, I mean, they've got up forty threes, and I mean, it didn't seem like they were missing. What do you think about the Eastern playoffs right now? Uh, both of them uh, look like they're going to be competitive at 1-1. Jimmy was hurt. Jimmy Butler missed game two of the Knicks Heat series. Uh, how do you handicap those two series? Well, I mean, Miami Miami had an opportunity to go up 2-0. And down the stretch is where you needed Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You needed a player like Jimmy Butler to carry you through and get you through that last four or five minutes of that series, of that game. He wasn't there. Then they kind of, they you know, Give them credit, though. They battled for three and a half quarters. I mean, they were right there. They had an opportunity to win the game. They made some shots. Struce played really well for them. You know, Bam did a good job. Uh, They just needed that closer. And so if Jimmy comes back and he's healthy, they have five days off after that game. They had five days off. I don't know how in the heck you had five days off in a playoff series <laughs> when everybody else is playing every other right. day. But he's got five days He'll to be rest fine, yeah. So he missed that game, set out. Five days after that. So he should be fine going back in there. Now, Philadelphia, I don't know. Um, if Embiid's not healthy. He had a big leg brace on the, yeah. the other night. He he doesn't he doesn't look he yeah. doesn't look like he should be out there, in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, you know, but I did sleep in a holiday inn last <laughs> night. And uh he shouldn't be out there. He's not hundred percent. And I know he's the MVP, he won the MVP, and there's pressure. And what Doc Rivers, and I'm not ever gonna second guess a coach, you know, but I am gonna second guess it. You already got one game one. Just sit him out for game two, 
Because you already accomplished what you set out to do. We, all we were trying to do is get a split. We're not right. trying to go 2 0. If he's healthy, we push it for 2 0. But he's not healthy. Sit him out that game, give him some more rest, let him get back with the energy of the Philadelphia crowd, get his MVP award, and maybe he, he revs it up and plays through whatever injury his knee. Um, and gives you the spark that you need. You already won the one. You did a good job getting that first game, and James Harden played out of his mind. Just go ahead and roll the dice and say, let's go ahead and see like Miami did. Miami set their star. They said Jimmy. You know, they said, hey, let's sit him. Let's rest him. His ankles, you know, he could probably play if this was game seven, but let's sit him five days off, and then we'll come back and we'll reevaluate. Well, we both know Tibbs very well, and I'm sure he would say right. in his famous, we got more than enough to we win. We got more than enough to win. But Julius Randle played in game two, and he was not moving well at all he, he looks like he's really struggling with that ankle yeah he, he's not he's not 100 percent, but no, no one's 100 percent right now mark yeah. this is what the playoffs are all about this is where the if you get paid the big money this is where you need to show up whether you're 100 percent or not you know this is where michael showed up this is where kobe bryant showed up i mean this is where larry bird showed up this is where i mean this is where your superstar players this is why the superstar players get paid the way they do we need you to show up when it matters the most. So, you know, he's going to have to find a way to gut it through. Uh, New York, I'm telling you, man, I, I wasn't really impressed with them so far in this series. I mean, uh, the first game they had a, they had the, the lead at halftime. They came back in the third quarter and laid an egg. Uh, they barely beat the basically the second unit, the mass unit yeah. of Miami. You know, again, you don't have Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, or Victor Oladipo, so you're losing three rotational players and a superstar player at that, and you barely beat them. You know, so that that's got to be a little concerning um, with with Tom Thibodeau right now because it seems like, you know, it's I'm gonna take my turn, you take your turn, I'm gonna take my turn, and you can't beat good teams that way. They got to get more from R.J. Barrett because he hasn't done much offensively in this series. And you look around, if Julius Randle is just floating on the perimeter shooting threes, he's not really helping him all that much. So really, it's, it relies on Jalen Brunson to make outside shots, get in the paint and set up his teammates. You got Mitchell Robinson, who's a non-scorer. Some of the guys they bring off their bench aren't going to give him anything on offense. So it's going to be tough for them in this series, I think, to come up with enough points to be able to win four games against Miami. You know what? But but Miami is a, is a team that's not going to outscore you either. So this might be one of those games, those typical 90s, early 2000 games where you're looking at an 85 to 90s in that score range right there. You know, if, if Miami's hitting three-point shots, it could easily be 120. Right. You know, but if they're not hitting threes, then it's one of those slugfest type of games where New York can tend to play a little bit more because they have the guys that can get to the foul line. R.J. Barrett drives to the basket all the time, gets fouls. Jalen Brunson can get fouls. Then it kind of favors you know New York if it's that mm -hmm. you know a uh, knockout drag out type of fight, and you know that gives them an opportunity and, and really really puts them in position to win that kind of game. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. That's going to be a very grinded out type of series, and Tom Thibodeau is ideally suited for that type of battle. Before we get to the West uh, Conference semifinals, let's talk about something that happened in the first round. Dylan book Dylan Brooks poked the bear. LeBron taught him a lesson on keep your mouth shut, son. And then the <clears throat> Memphis Grizzlies followed that up with a haymaker saying. Even though you're a free agent, we have no intention under any circumstances wow. of bringing you back. That's some pretty strong stuff, Basically, Stacey. Basically, if he was the last <laughs> player on the planet and they needed one, they would just play without him. <laughs> right. um, you know what? Listen, and, and Shams reported that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, to, in my opinion, I mean, that's that's really bad. They didn't have to do that. You know, if you don't want to bring the guy it's back, coming off the yeah. top rope. Yeah, I mean, I mean, seriously, if you if you don't want to bring the guy back, don't bring him back. Right? Okay, the guy the guy plays. Listen, he plays hard. 
He, he talks too much, you know, but there's a lot of guys. There's the Ron Artest guys that used to do that. There's, you know, uh, Lance Stevenson. Those guys always did that. He's no different than those guys. Yeah. You know, Ron Artest could actually play, though. I mean, he could actually play. But see, look at that. <laughs> see, I, I ain't gonna lie. I had some fun with it, too. I, I had some fun with the memes, too. But they're making him out to be the scapegoat. Yeah, it wasn't all his fault. They're, listen, they're missing listen, their two bigs. Listen, it's a different series if yeah. Steven Adams is playing there and then Brandon Clark is playing right. healthy. Yeah. It's a different series. They they beat they beat LA. Okay. Uh John Morant, ever since he's come back from the gun situation, uh, hasn't looked like himself. Right. Like he mentally he's he just didn't seem like he was his high flying self. His right you know, hand was banged up, yeah, which is tough. Yeah. So but I mean, you know, he just didn't look like he had the energy to play. And it cost him. And they they played the LA team and you know, Dylan Brooks one thing you have to learn, man, as a player, you got to know who you can talk trash to and get into their head and who you can't. And LeBron is one of those guys you can't get into his head. He's seen it all. You know, when you're going up against Lance Stevenson, you know, you're going up against Paul Pierce. You know, guys have been talking trash to him since he was 18 years old. He is mentally and physically tough. It, it, nothing you can say can hurt him. The best thing for you to do is just play hard and hope he miss free throws. Cause that's really, you know, that's really the kink in his armor when the game is tight is missing free throws down the stretch. But as far as, you know, talking trash, you know, nah, it's not going to work, bro. Well, because of the fact that he's damaged his reputation around the league with, uh, you know, some of his antics, uh, you know, uh, on the court, Dylan Brooks is going to go into free agency he may be looking at a deal somewhere around the mid-level exception instead of a big money contract. If you're the Bulls, would you be interested? I'd take him in a second. Okay. Hail to the yes, I would take him. Because he's a yeah. better shooter than he yeah, showed listen, this last year. Listen, the kid is a, is a, is a, is a two-way player, okay? He may not be the best shooter, but he's a bigger version of Patrick Beverly. I mean, Patrick, Beverly, Patrick Beverly's antics are worse than Dylan Brooks. I mean, if you really think about it, and I love Patrick, but he's the type of guy... That if you're going into a street fight, you know, you want him, you want guys like Patrick Beverly, you want guys like Ron Artest on your side. You know, you don't want a guy that talks talks tough and then talks like a dog and bark. Rah, 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 and then soon as soon as someone comes at yeah. him, meow, meow, <laughs> meow, and they hide. I like that, like the coach from I don't know what coach he was from Liberty. He was like, I, I need dogs. I don't yeah, need a bunch right, of cats. Right, meow, yeah. meow, I don't need <laughs> yeah. a bunch of cats. So I give me dogs, and he's a dog, and he's a guy that can defend, he can defend his position, and he can knock down shots. I just think that he got himself so much into his own head yeah. after what he did backfired that, you know, not talking to the media, you know, that killed him. Yes, sir. I was going to say, if you think that if no teams in the NBA want him, you think he'll go to China? He ain't going to no, China, No, he's, he's going to go nice on somebody's country. team, yeah. man. You know, the kid's 24, 25 years old. Uh, he can play multiple positions. Listen, he's one of those guys you hate when he's on someone else's yeah. team. Okay, but I would take that kid in the second because he got dog in him. He got he plays hard. He competes. Uh, yeah, he talks trash, but on most nights he can back it up. On most nights he backs it up. It's just talking trash to LeBron James. Somebody should have pulled him to the side and say, hey, "Look, bro, look. Okay, let's see, let's look at these videos of all these people who fallen by the wayside talking trash to LeBron James." Okay? Yeah, and people forget that you know a couple of years ago people were talking about Dylan Brooks as maybe the second best player on the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. team. You know, yeah, it's I not mean, like this is just some scrub. No, I mean the kid. The kid can play. 
I think we, I think people have blown it out of proportion with the trash talk. I ain't a lot. Like I said, I was, I was clowning with the memes and stuff, but at the same time, it was funny because yeah, you know, he was an easy I mean, target. He was an easy target. When you, when you open your mouth and you set yourself up to, you know, you know, criticize someone else, then you have to be, you know, respectful of what everybody's going to do to you. And so when you didn't do what you were supposed to do, everybody jumped on the bandwagon and you saw some of the memes and stuff all going to the door and it wasn't, it was, un, it was locked. And, <laughs> yeah. But that yeah. kid's going to get picked up by somebody. If I'm, if I'm a playoff caliber team I, and I'm, if I'm the bulls, if I can get him at a price that's, that's affordable. Oh yeah. I'm bringing him on this roster. Yeah. Just looking up his numbers. Last year, he averaged 14.3 points per game. But two seasons ago, he averaged 18 a game. The year before that, 17. So yeah. this is a guy that can score. Yeah. So, so so people are looking at his antics and they're like, yeah. you know, they're, they're crucifying this kid. But if you look at his numbers and you look at his stats, the kid can play. Right. So if if, if I'm Arturis and, and, and Mark and, and the guys in the front office, if if I can make that deal happen as he's a free agent, if I can make that, that deal happen as long as it, it fits and it's affordable, I don't want to overpay for him because right now he's he's one of those you know, one of those players that nobody wants to touch right now because he's still hot. Right. But how would that be after the draft? How would that be later in the summer? He could be a guy that people want. So the Lakers took advantage of a undermanned and dysfunctional Memphis team and uh, advanced to the conference semifinals. Then they go into San Francisco. They win game one against the Warriors. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you heard this chatter that uh, Patrick Beverly, I think, had Russell Westbrook on his podcast. And they're both asking for rings if the Lakers win the title. Oh, so they're, they're kind of looking a little bit far ahead, I think. Yeah. You know? Come on now, stop it, stop it, stop it. You're still playing the division. You're playing the world champions, okay? And and let's be honest. I mean, you know, Golden State had to turn around and play another game, you know, within a day or so uh, after beating yeah, Sacramento. And an emotional, an emotional uh, series against Sacramento where they had to come back and they won three games in a row after being down 0-2, play without Dray- Draymond Green. It was an emotional roller coaster. And then having to play a game seven on the road and win that game just to get to the second round. So let's pump our brakes right now and everybody thinking the Lakers is going to run through them because it's not going to happen. They're going to come out. It's a prideful bunch. They've been down before. They're going to come back. Um, I thought they played extremely well. I think, you know, what hurt them down the stretch was, you know, Anthony Davis started playing like the number one player in the, in the league. He yeah, started, he was, this he's is been what, really good this in is what people envision Anthony Davis five years ago, where he was going and what his ceiling was. Uh, it's clearly his team. You know, LeBron is great and LeBron still doing LeBron things. But when AD plays like that, it's his team. I mean, you're getting 30 plus 30 and 20, 20 in the playoffs. Rebounds. Yeah. Come on, man. And he's blocking yeah. shots too. He had golden state so shook that they didn't even want to go to the basket. Every time they went to the basket, they seemed like there was like five ADs there right. blocking yeah. shots. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's huge. When he plays that way, boy, they, they, they're tough to beat. You know, I still can't get over that trade at the deadline. It always mystifies me in any sport. Why bad teams decide they're going to help, you know, the most powerful franchises. Why would Danny Ainge, who is a life, Long Boston Celtic agree to that trade to help the Lakers. I mean, he gives he gives them, you know, in a three way deal, D'Angelo Russell. They get they get Vanderbilt, who was really making life miserable for Steph Curry in Game One, and they get uh, Beasley, a three point shooter off the bench for like a, a future twenty twenty seven draft pick, which may not be worth shit anyway. Well, let me tell you something, man. 
Danny Ainge might be a double agent. <laughs> you know, he he fleeced he he fleeced Minnesota for for Kevin Garnett and yeah. was able to get him for basically nothing with Kevin, you know, Kevin McHale. There was a yeah. little Boston Celtic. Hey, yeah, yeah. you helped me, I helped me later on. Okay. So they got that deal. Won him a championship. Okay. Then he leaves and now he's, you know, he's in, you know, he's in Utah. He's hey, hey, oh, come on. He helped Brooklyn out. He traded, he traded, you know, the the big three of Paul Pierce and and uh you know Kevin Garnett to mm-hmm. Brooklyn. He's always around these little shady deals, man. He's like that guy sitting in the corner you don't see. And then all of a sudden he comes out of the dark alley. Yeah. He's already made the deal. And you're like, <laughs> when did when did this go down? No one told yeah. us. He just yeah. came in and just stole stole it from you. So I don't know why everybody feels like they got to help the Lakers. Because the Lakers were dead. They were 13th in the West. They were in danger of not even making the play-in. And then after this trade, plus they got Rui Hachimura from the the Wizards, another inept franchise. And now all of a sudden they've got depth. They've got size. They could get to the finals. Oh, man. It's... I don't know, man. This is the LeBron James effect. I don't. I mean, you know, teams. It's like everybody wants to help LeBron win. Yeah. It's like you know some of the trades that he brought out. When a team is dead in the water, let them die. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you know you're you're Utah. You had those players. Vanderbilt's a heck of a player. Yeah. That's a three and D guy. I mean, that dude, the way he defended Steph Curry. And what people don't understand about Steph Curry, Mark, is he's like Reggie Miller. He's a guy that never stops moving. That's right. what makes it so hard to guard him because he's constantly running through screens and picks and going here and going left, going right. And then all of a sudden he jacks a quick shot up and you're like, wow, how did he get that shot off? Because you're still trying to catch your breath from chasing all him around screens, for like yeah. four, you know, 30 seconds or on the clock. But at the end of the day, um, the players that they received, I mean, you get a you get a, a quality starting point guard in D'Angelo Russell who can play off the ball. That's the key thing. Most of these, like Russell Westbrook, cannot play off the ball. They went out and go get a guy that can play off the ball and then can play point guard when LeBron James goes off the bench. Vanderbilt is a 3 and D guy. It gives them more length in that starting lineup with AD and LeBron and him. They cover up the whole floor defensively. Yeah. And then, you know, your guards, you know, they don't have to, you know, um, the, the kid Reeves. Reeves is getting ready to get paid $90 million. Like, he's like Duncan ready. Robinson. Oh, yeah. man. Hell, they're going to be, they're going to regret that. I'm just like, <laughs> and that's why that's my boy from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't, I mean. I'm and now they bring Schroeder off the bench and he can chase Steph and Curry Schreuder, And Schroeder looks doses. like the old Schroeder yeah. that was trying to get Goldie. that hundred, that, uh, <laughs> that turned down that uh, $80 million yeah, dollar yeah, deal. Yeah. That's who he looks like. Yeah. I mean, he looks really, really good. I always like Schroeder. Oh, man. Schroeder, and Schroeder's like crafty. Like yeah. he's very crafty. And on a team like this where you got AD who demands the attention of the defense, you got LeBron demands attention of defense those guys were able to move around freely because they're worried about those two the two bigs for for los angeles so you you're getting easy shots Schroeder's going to the basket throwing you know little layups at the rim i mean i mean there's no there's no resistance for them right now yeah and the free throw disparity in game one and draymond green stop just stop listen man you know what Raymond Green, stop being friends out there, man. Yeah you, you, yeah. you praise LeBron before you even got to the series. Then I, I read where he wanted to go see Lamar LeBron's game when he yeah, broke Steve the Come no. on, man. And your your mindset right now, it's like it's like when you play your brother in a pickup game, Mark. You ain't trying to kill your brother. Yeah. You want to beat him, you want to show him that he can't beat you, but you ain't trying to kill him. But if you play your next door neighbor, you're gonna destroy him. You're going to destroy, you're going to knock him on the floor, you're going to talk trash to him, you're going to kill him. And and LeBron and 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 you know, Draymond Green used to be like that. 
with LeBron. And now it's like he's his best friend. I'm LeBron. I'm gonna play LeBron. Da, 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 da. And you can see it out there in the in the in the playoff series. It's like, dude, you gotta put that friendship to the side, bro, and concentrate on what's best for your team. You guys are trying to make history here. Yeah. You're trying to get your fifth title, you know, in like nine years. So you gotta you gotta focus, bro. Well, Draymond's also looking at his exit strategy. You know, he's got an option for this year. Maybe he's thinking he could jump on the Lakers if Golden State doesn't want him right anymore. <sighs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, the one series we haven't talked about is the Phoenix Denver series. Denver leads that two oh. games to none, and they won those both those games fairly easily. Kevin Durant was a little bit I don't, I don't know if passive is the, is the right word, but he wasn't super aggressive in looking for a shot. The series will shift to Phoenix, but now Chris Paul is another injury, a groin problem. Do you think Phoenix gets back in this series? Is it me, or is it that Chris Paul seems like he misses every? Pivotal playoff series. He's missed a lot of them. Oh my goodness. It seemed like he's always hurt in pivotal playoff series and misses two or three games in a series. It's, it's over. It's over because one Phoenix doesn't have depth. That's a big problem. You know, Aiden is not playing like he should play. When you move him off the bench, you, now you, you're short, you're shorthanded at the center spot. You got to move Kevin Durant to a stretch five. So they have no, they don't have quality depth. That's what happens when you go get a superstar player. They didn't have time to rebuild their bench. They didn't have time to go try to make a deal with Danny Ainge and say, let me get those three players on our team. They didn't have time for that. So now it's, it's evident. I said from the very get go about Denver, Denver was the team to beat. I don't know which, 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 uh, which show I said it, but I said, Denver is going to be a tough out. They were a number one team early in the season. And they went through that losing streak where the bulls went in there and beat them. Yeah. And you know, they just couldn't find themselves. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Murray wakes up. Murray starts to feel better. His knee starts to look a hundred percent. And when he is healthy, like he's playing like he's playing right now, they are tough to beat. And the big fella, I don't care what nobody says. The big fella, he, he could have been right in there with that MVP vote. Oh, no and then I yeah. think he's going to be motivated now to say, okay, so y'all didn't want to give me my third <laughs> one in a row. Okay. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you why they call me the Joker. Ain't nobody going to be laughing after this series is over. And give credit to Denver's front office. A couple under-the-radar moves bringing in uh, KCP and Bruce Brown. Ooh. Those guys are similar to what D- Dylan Ooh. Brooks is. They'll, they'll get in your face defensively, and they can make shots. Key rotational players. Yeah. That's what those, These are the guys that are glue to championship-caliber teams. You've got to get guys who are selfless, guys who are not out there trying to get theirs. KCP doesn't care if he scores 20, if he scores nine. Bruce Brown does all the dirty work. He's a younger P.J. Brown. I mean, not P.J. Brown, but P.J. Tucker. He's a younger P.J. Tucker. He does all the dirty work. He can get the ball off the glass, start Mm -hmm. your break for you. He can defend one through five. He's a jack-of-all-trades, and they don't care about their personal stats, and that's what you need when you want to win a championship. And Bruce Brown is a competitor. He won't back down to anybody. What will Brown do for you? (laughs) There you go. Win! We're going to switch the conversation to football in just a minute. Dave Wanstead is our special guest. He's going to join us next. But first, I want to tell you about our good buddy, Jeff Vukovic. When it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance. That's Nationwide Agent Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com, jeffvuk.com. Best jingle in the business going, Stacey. <laughs> Nationwide is on your side. <laughs> Woo! The weather has turned. We all got a lot of energy yes, excited about seeing the sunshine here in the Chicago area. Well, we're going to talk some football. Dave Wanstead next on episode 128 to give me the hot sauce. 
Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus you know, there's never an offseason in the NFL. The draft has just been completed. They're going to have rookie mini camps this week and then OTAs, and then we'll get into mandatory mini camps. And, and our special guest, Dave Wanstead, is very familiar with all of the, the uh, clock that is the NFL life. Dave, thanks for joining us today. And I know that you were busy last week with all the NFL draft coverage. The Bears were able to make 10 draft picks over the seven rounds. How do you think that Ryan Poles did with, uh, with the haul that they brought in? You know what? I I like, uh, yeah, first of all, good to be on with you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I like what Ryan did. Now, obviously, being a defensive guy, I would have loved to see him take a defensive guy with that first pick. But, uh, you know, I, I get it. I mean, the, the, the more that uh, Darnell Wright, the guy that they took, the big offensive tackle from Tennessee, the more I've, I've listened to him, seen him on interviews, the more he's grown on me. I really like him. I, I had him rated as my second best offensive lineman. I think he's an instant starter. And the one thing that's consistent with everything that Ryan Poles has done since he's been here, going all the way through free agency, I mean, he he almost refused to sign an older veteran free agents. They were all guys that were 23, 24, 25 years old. He's kept it very young. And uh, I, I think character and work ethic, you know, has been a priority for every one of these picks. And so I, I give him a lot of credit for that. I like what he's doing. You know, then he loaded up with defense. Seven out of the ten picks were defense. You know, that's they need a lot of help on that defensive line, a lot of help. But he said afterwards, I know we can't do everything in one day. So, you know, he, he I think he's really got it figured out. And uh I'm a big fan. I'm supporting him all the way right now. One of the things they, they talked about uh, Darnell Wright being because he played in the SEC and he played against, you know, future first round picks. He played against the Georgia first pick of last year's draft and Trayvon Walker and did a really good job against him. And then and Will Anderson, who was in this year's draft, they were impressed with his athleticism. They were impressed with his, you know, how big he is, but how athletic he is. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, you know what, Stacy? I give him a lot of credit because he could have left early. And he played – he started five games as a freshman at Tennessee. 
And then he obviously played as a sophomore, junior, and senior. And he stayed all the way through. And I think when you see his interviews, that sense of maturity, that sense of confidence comes out. Uh, and when you watch him on tape, Tennessee did a lot of things where they pulled the tackles uh, and he's able to get out on space. He is not a 300 pounder that, uh, you know, I, I, I never thought 350 pound guys can play effectively. It's just the philosophy that I've always had. So he's a little over 300, but you, you see that in him. I'd rather have a guy be able to move a little bit more like he can uh, as compared to a guy that might be bigger, but a step slower. He played guard as a sophomore. He played left tackle as a junior, and then he played right tackle as a senior. So you got a guy that's got a lot of versatility too. Dave, you mentioned that they got uh, on day two, they picked up a couple of defensive tackles and a corner who looks really interesting. He's from uh, your old stopping grounds at the U of Miami, uh, Tyreek Stevenson. He's got good size for a corner. You think he can come in uh, right away and, and maybe move uh, somebody inside to play the slot? Well, you know, yes, absolutely. You know, I, he, he, uh, he was one of my favorite picks in this draft, not just because you know, I'm a University of Miami guy, but because I, you know, he's got that size. They like to play a lot of cover too. Uh, you talk to people down there at Miami. He's a physical guy. He like he'll get your hands on you. And when you play that too, as Stacy knows, you got to be able to roll up. You got to be able to bang on those wide receivers. He can do that. He's got sacks. He's got some tackles for loss. He's not afraid to hit. Coming from Miami, you know, he's a tough guy. He's returned kickoffs. He's returned punts. And, and you mentioned moving somebody. You know, you know, last year for the Bears, one of their corners, Kyler Gordon, they, he played corner, and then he went inside on the slot. He was back and forth, back and forth. So now what they can do, they, they can put him, they can put Gordon inside on the slot. He's a little quicker, a little smaller. And, and now you can put Stevenson outside, and I think it, it brings a little bit more continuity to that secondary. One of the things that it seemed like they addressed as well is, is try to put as many weapons around Justin Fields. You know, they're looking at the receiving core. I've, I've heard where they said this is the best receiving core since like 2018 and even going back as far as, you know, 2013. Um, talk a little bit about the, the acquisition of DJ Moore and, and Claypool. What do you expect out of those guys this year? Well, DJ Moore, you know, I, I do a show on the Big Ten Network and have been for about eight years now. And I remember him when he was at Maryland. And and DJ Moore, he was, I, I don't want to say setting records, but he was playing at a high level when he was at Maryland. I mean, he was the guy down there. And now he goes to, to the NFL and he's doing the same thing. So they, they got themselves uh, a number. Everyone talks about the trade Ryan Poles made. Well, guess what? Yeah, you got a number one pick, but you also got, if they would draft DJ Moore at number 10 when they picked and he came in and you knew he was going to be a starter, you're happy. Everybody should be excited about that pick. So, you know, you got two starters right off the bat, bang, bang. And uh, so they did that. They addressed the offensive line. Uh, they are. They are truly giving Justin Fields an opportunity to be as good as he can be. I look for the offense, and I know, you know, talking to a couple of the coaches up there, you know, last year they, they were kind of doing the heavy, heavy quarterback run, total quarterback move passes out of necessity. That's about what they had. 
So I look for now to be still the quarterback run is going to be a big package, but a little bit more of the Philadelphia Eagle blueprint with Jalen Hurts, you know, where they're going to do the the quarterback read, you know, the yeah. RPO stuff, with, but they're also going to throw the ball from the pocket more. And uh, and this is probably going to be, you know, I hate to say this, and, and, I, and people in Chicago are already talking about it. I mean, you know, oh, well, they got the two number one picks next year. Justin Fields better do it. Yes, you know, on one hand, yes, that is a reality, but I hate having that kid think in the back of his mind, oh, boy, this is it. If I don't do it, I'm out, you know. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on him is what I'm saying, and uh, I think he'll handle it okay. But I think the Bears have addressed the offense, and they're giving him a chance to be successful. Now, uh, let me just say this. There's nothing – nothing better for a quarterback than have a defense that goes three and out that has a defense that flips the field with sacks and turnovers and gives you easy field position. You know, the bears last year, they they were the worst in the league in defense. I mean, Brisker, their strong safety had four sacks. He was the leading sacker on the team. That's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to even say it, but it's a fact. And so, uh, you know, yes, Justin Fields got weapons on offense. I just hope the defense can help him out a little bit. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, when uh, Stacy was going in the wayback machine for receivers, I thought he was going to bring up Curtis Conway and Jeff Graham <laughs> when you were coaching. Well, I'll tell you what, Curtis Conway and, and Jeff Graham right now on the Bears would make an impact. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, defense, you know, they still have cap space, and there's some veterans out there, guys like Leonard Floyd and uh, Jadevian Clowney, guys that have rushed off the edge in the past. If, if you were the head coach of the Bears, right now would you be going into the gm's office and going hey you got to get me a, a defensive guy on the edge who can get after the quarterback yeah you'd like to have that you know but i'll tell you what mark you know the the and i hate, hate to use the word blueprint but the blueprint that they have used ryan poles has used is to keep it young and i just don't know right now if they're willing to take a chance on a if you know I, he said this after the draft Guys, I'm not going to get it. We're not going to get it all solved in one year. It's going to take time. So with saying that and knowing the future picks that they have, you know, the defense is going to have to be addressed. I just don't see them jumping out there and signing a veteran guy. I I don't see that being kind of in their DNA as far as how they're putting this thing together. Okay. So now Aaron Rodgers has decided to leave (laughs) Green Bay. How excited, how excited should the uh, Bears fans be now that he's gone? He's been a, a thorn in the Bears' side since he's been there, and it was Brett Favre before him. Don't Ooh. don't bring up Brett Favre to Dave. Hey, listen, <laughs> hey, sorry, Dave, sorry. But but who who now becomes the favorite of the uh, NFC North? I mean, is it? We know that you know the Lions have really made it a, a, a jump from last year. You know they they played really well last year. Uh, are they going to be able to maintain that? And you got Minnesota. They bring back Kirk Cousins. I mean. Who becomes the favorite now that Aaron Rodgers is gone? You know what, Stace? I I think Detroit. Uh, I think Detroit had the best draft in our division. I really do. I mean, everybody's critical of their draft, but in my mind, they got four starters. Okay, they got four stars. I love. I mean, you know, they got the running back, obviously the first pick from Alabama, but he. Uh, uh, and then they got David Montgomery, so they got two backs, and David Montgomery. I think the Bears should have signed him back. I'm a David Montgomery fan. I think this guy's a heck of a football player. So now you got him playing in the division with a chip on his shoulder. 
And then they signed a linebacker, uh, Jack Campbell, out of Iowa, 6'5", 250. This guy was defensive player of the year two years in a row at, at Iowa. He makes 100 tackles. He sacks the – this guy is a player. They got the big tight end to take T.J. Hawkinson's place, and they steal Branch. They get the safety out of uh, Alabama. Branch in a fourth round, he'll be a starter. I mean, if people had him in a second round. So I got to say, if, who would be my favorite right now? I would say Detroit because of what they did last year, and they've added some good players to the mix. Dave, let's talk about your coaching background. Everyone knows that uh, you're great friends with Jimmy Johnson. You've been with him on the college and the professional level. Uh, Jimmy's an interesting character. Obviously, uh, you know, he's 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 been successful on television, had great success as a head coach in college and the pros. Uh, talk about your relationship with Jimmy and and uh, and what influence he's been on your life. Well, you know, Jimmy, I guess you'd say he's kind of been like a big brother to me. I mean, we were people don't write, we were assistant coaches together. That's how we met at the University of Pittsburgh. I, I, w- I had just got into coaching. I played at Pitt uh, for Coach Johnny Majors. Tony Dorsett and I were teammates. And then I got out. And when my NFL career, I had a, you know, got, was up at Green Bay, had surgery. It's going to go to Canada. Long story short. Johnny Coach Majors come to me, and, and I was his first captain at Pitt when he went back there, and and he asked me what I was going to do, and I said, I'm going to get into coaching eventually, and he says, well, I got a job open now, but I got to know in the next month. So I ended up getting into coaching, and don't you know, we win the national championship the next year, and he goes to Tennessee, Jackie Sherrill takes over, and Jimmy had got let go at Arkansas, and when uh, Lou Holtz got the job, and Jimmy leaves Arkansas and comes to Pitt. So we're assistants together. And then uh, two years into the Pittsburgh thing, uh, he comes to me one day and says, hey, I'm going to get the Oklahoma State job. I want you to come with me. And uh, I says, man, Oklahoma State, how are you getting that? And he says, well, my roommate in college, he says, is, lives is real good friends with a lot of, he's in the oil and gas business, and he's real good friends with all these oil type, uh, you know, big people in uh, in Oklahoma. He knows border regions guys. And I said, "Who is that?" Jerry Jones, and he says, "Jerry Jones." So Jerry kind of started with Jimmy after college with the Oklahoma State jobs. So we get down there, we win, uh, not win. I mean, you know, o- Oklahoma. We, I hate to say this, we couldn't. We, they were good coaches. Uh, they got good players in, in Nebraska with Tom Osborne. You know, we were never, never going to be able to get to the top, top of the feeding line in, in that conference. So Jimmy went to Miami. I was actually at USC. I went to USC for two years and, uh, and we won the Rose Bowl. And then as soon as Jimmy got the Miami job, he called me up and I left USC and came back to Miami with him. And then we go Miami and then it's the Cowboys and, uh, you know, kind of the rest is history. So, and, and then I end up at Fox when I kind of wind up coaching. Uh, I I was just talking to people around Chicago. Maybe I'll do some radio. I don't know. Maybe not. You know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Maybe get back into coaching. And I auditioned. Uh, my agent knew a guy at the Big Ten office. So I auditioned up there and Fox owns the Big Ten network, majority of it. So, uh they sent my tape out to Fox in LA. And then I called Jimmy and said, Hey, you know, this thing is kind of strange that they kind of like me down there. And I don't know. They're, they're... So he says, well, let me find out what's going on. So I go out to LA and audition and 
And then I was with Fox for, for nine years. And, and it was funny because every Sunday morning, I would do the early pregame show and Jimmy and Bradshaw and them do the second one. But Jimmy and myself and Bradshaw, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, we meet in the green room. <laughs> and we'd sit, around, we'd, we'd sit around and talk about the college games. In fact, I'm sipping me a little Terry Bradshaw bourbon. There right you now. go, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking is encouraged yeah. on this show, so that's great. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so uh, we talked last week. You know, we, we, we still talk, you know, I, I don't want to say every week, but pretty close to it. And. You know, I got him on my radio show on the score. He he was nervous. I could tell he was answering the questions quick. And I said, you going fishing today? He says, you know me, I got the boat loaded up. He says, the beers are on ice. <laughs> as soon as I hang up, I'm gone. I mean, he's, he, he's crazy. He gets up at four. He is on the water. Uh, he has, he, he lives on the ocean in Isla Morada and he's got his own docks in his backyard. It's crazy. And uh, he is on the water fishing before when the sun comes up. Yeah, wow. it's a great that's, life. That's kind, of, that's, that's kind of his deal. And the only thing that stops him every day is uh, it, the wind, you know, if, if, he, <laughs> if, it, if, it's, if it's rough. But uh, Yeah, he won't even fly there. into the studio to join the guys in the studio. He'll do the show remotely a lot. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done with that, though. He's actually done with Fox. Yeah. He's uh, officially retired. But... Uh, yeah, we, we have a uh, – we're not going to do it this year, but we've done it the last three years. He calls it his inner circle. And uh, Tony Wise, our line coach, Norv Turner was our offensive coordinator. Butch Davis was the D-line coach. Uh, Troy Aikman and then our PR director and then our attorney. We all get together down at Jimmy's place and spend three days and we go out on a boat. We tell the same damn story <laughs> and, 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 and we, for 20 years. And we laughed is just as hard as when it happened. And we talked about it the first time. So, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong relationship that uh, that's very unique in this business. And uh, uh, yeah, J- Jimmy was the guy, you know, we're talking draft. Think about this. Now when we go to Dallas in 89, he, uh, we made more trades. We made 51 trades in five years. And that was more trades than the entire national football league made in that same amount of time. He invented wow. that draft scale card, right? And and he, he invented the draft scale card. So he would have an idea of value for picks. And I was and, and there's so many stories, uh, you know, a, a, a couple of them. I mean, one is, you know, he, we drafted Russell Maryland with the first pick, and then we took uh, Alvin Harper with 18. We had three number ones, and then he, he we wanted to, he wanted to get out of the 21st pick, so we're calling everybody who wants our pick. So finally, Wayne Fox was at Detroit at the time. Yep, and and Wayne says we want that pick, and so Jimmy and Wayne have been friends for a long time, so they agree on what the compensation is going to be for the pick. And Wayne says, I just got to go and I got to get it okayed with Mr. Ford. I'll be right back. So now all of a sudden we're on the clock. Okay. And then they're saying on TV, Dallas Cowboys are on the clock. So we go three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. No Wayne, no Wayne. So we're, we're down to about two and a half minutes. And Jimmy, we're trying to get a hold of Wayne Fonts. So finally, Jimmy gets him. There's about two minutes to go, and we're on the clock. And, you know, if you don't pick, you lose your pick. The next team goes. And uh, Jimmy says, Wayne, and he says, I can't find Mr. Ford. 
And he says, but Jimmy, you got my word on this. You, we, we, we're set. We want this pick. You know what we're going to give you? We're locked in. And Jimmy, this is how smart he <laughs> says, who you want to pick? Who are you going to draft? I'll draft the guy for you, and then we'll make the trade later. So if you look at the 1991 draft, I think it's pick 21, 20 or 21, and it says Dallas Cowboys. And we drafted Calvin Pritchard, who was a defensive tackle for the Lions okay. and had a good career up there. <clears throat> and then we made, the, we made the trade and got the picks, and they got Calvin Pritchard. I mean, you know, J- Jimmy was just a master when he was on the clock of being able to, to figure out a deal and, and, and do something. Dave, you've always been known as, as one of the you know best defensive coordinators, especially when you were in Dallas and, and on those teams. A lot of people don't know that you were up for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, head coaching job when uh, Chuck Noll retired. Is between you and and uh, Bill Cower, and you were one of the last you know one of the last guys. Talk a little bit about that experience and where you where you bummed out a little bit, but going back because you you know you played in Pittsburgh and you know maybe you thought that would have been a good a good situation for you. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I go up the night before and see Art Rooney, who's now the president. He went to Pitt. He was a year behind me at Pitt. And then Tom Donahue was the GM at the time, and I knew Tommy. So I knew I had two of the three decision makers. Unfortunately, Dan Rooney was the big one. Now, I had only been in the NFL three years. We were at Dallas. And at that time in the NFL, we we were the outcast, right? We were the college guys. Jerry Jones was the maverick. Jimmy was going to be the draft guru. We were going to, in everybody's mind, uh, we were coming in to take over the NFL, and nobody liked it. Okay. So I'm up there in Pittsburgh, and I'm sitting around with some buddies having a beer the night before the interview, and they do a pull up on the thing. And I had – who's going to be the next coach? There were three of us, me, Bill, and somebody else. And I had like 80% of the, the fans in the streets of Pittsburgh. So I, I said, shit, I got this job. This is done. <laughs> so, so I go in for the interview – and I, I'm feeling it was stupid. And I'm talking to Mr. Rooney, who is just unbelievable. Uh, and we're, we're getting into Dallas. And I make some comment about America's team. And he leans back in his chair. And I said, oh, boy. This is <laughs> and he says, he says, let me just give you a little lesson, Dave, because you know about the America's team. And I think he said in 1970, 1976, we played the Dallas Cowboys, he says, in the Super Bowl. And we beat them. He says, and Pete Rosell was the commissioner. And he called up my dad and he said, they called him the chief, you know, this big cigar all the time. And they called up the chief and they said, uh, chief, we're making our highlight tape for this year's NFL. And we want to put you on the cover and we want to label it America's team. And Mr. Rooney looked at me and he says, you know what my dad did? He took a puff of his cigar and he says, we're not America's team. We're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. (laughs) And and I went, oh, boy. (laughs) And and then uh, he – so they called up Tex Schramm, who was running the Dallas Cowboys, you know, and Gil Brandt, and they took the name America's team, and they they said, you know, they lose to America's team or however they did it, and the Cowboys ever since have – 
have run with that. So that's that's the story behind that. Very wow. anyway. Yeah, but Bill Bill had, you know, Art Modell. He, Bill was coaching at Cleveland, and Marty Schottenheimer and Mr. Rooney were real close. Jimmy really didn't know Mr. Rooney at all. Jerry, at that time, you know, we were, like I say, the outcast and Art Modell. So, and Bill, Bill obviously did a great job. I mean, Bill and I are good friends. And then how about this? So then I take the pit job, I don't know, 10 years later, and Bill's the coach of the Steelers, and we share a facility. So every day I'd go out in the field and Bill and I would stand out there before practice and BS. And Mr. Rooney, I will say this, anytime that we needed anything done at Pitt, it's probably illegal that you know, we can steal it. Because we shared the practice fields. They still do. Pitt ha- Steelers have two fields. Pitt has two fields. But you go out, they're on one side of the building, Pitt's on the other side. Uh, the cafeteria. I mean, everything is is right there in one building, and it's all shared. Wow! Very wow. unique. So that didn't work out, and you end up uh, becoming the hottest coordinator on the market after winning the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, and you wind up in Chicago succeeding Mike Ditka, which is a lot to ask. I mean, Ditka cast such an enormous shadow in Chicago, and and I'm sure you found out very quickly that the specter of the 85 Bears could not be, uh, you, you couldn't get away from it. I mean, the, that that ghost was everywhere. What was that experience like for you following, you know, a legend in Chicago like Mike Ditka? Well, you know, I lived that legend at, at Dallas until we won a Super Bowl, you know, because it was all Coach Landry, Roger Staubach teams. Yeah. So I, I kind of, but Mike and I, people, I mean, a lot of people, do, you know, Mike and I are from the same hometown. His dad worked in the same steel mill on the other side of the river as my dad did, J&L Steel. Um, Mike went to Pitt. I went to Pitt. I would go back when Mike would have charity golf tournaments and I was coaching in college, he would have golf tournaments back in Pittsburgh and uh, to raise money for the area, and I would go back and play in it. So Mike and I had a long-time relationship, and, and I, I kind of knew what I was getting into here. Uh, I was very comfortable with Chicago and uh, no regrets whatsoever. But to this day, now I didn't see Mike last year because you know we, we, we weren't in Naples much this year, but every year I, I go out and I see Mike out at his golf club and uh, – and we spend some time together. So we've been we've been friends ever for for a long, long time. All right, Dave. Last thing for me. I know you got to go. Um, you, you mentioned Justin Fields earlier. You say there might be a lot of pressure on the young man this year with the Bears holding those two number one picks next season. From your perspective, your coaching analysis, what is your read on Justin Fields? And do you think he can be a successful NFL franchise type quarterback? I do. I do. I, I think that they. Uh, you know, let's go back two years ago. And Jalen Hurts, the Eagles had those two number one picks, and everybody was saying, well, they got those picks. I really, in the beginning of the year, I didn't think he'd survive the year, and I thought he would be put on the bench. And they made, uh, they put in a system that complemented him. They signed A.J. Brown, a big receiver, D.J. Moore. They got the offensive line some help, and the rest is history. I think Justin Fields can can be in the same situation. I mean, this kid, think about it. With I mean, the, the receiving core we had last year, guys. I I mean, it, it was it was really somewhat embarrassing. The offensive line was a bunch of young kids for the most part. Uh, our, and and Justin would beat up. I mean, he had a separated shoulder. It's it's ten degrees out. He's standing up at that podium. A big deal about being quarterback in Chicago 
is being able to deal with the pressure, with the media and the fans. He never once blinked. He never once blinked. You know, he proved that he is a tough guy mentally and physically. And you combine that with his talent. Uh, I'm excited. I think the guy is going to have success. But again, you got to give him some help on defense. This cannot be. I mean, Eagles, you know, you look at the Eagles defense. That was a huge, huge help for Justin Fields. When we were, when we won our first Super Bowl at Dallas, we had Emmett and Michael and Troy, but yet we had the number one defense in the NFL. You know what I mean? So you got to be able to put it all together, really, to have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Otherwise, it's awful tough to do it just with one side or the other. Well, hopefully great things in the future for Justin Fields and the Bears. Dave Wanstead, our special guest on Give Me the Hot Sauce, episode 128. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. You know, we're part of the Odyssey family with Mitch Rosen and the gang, so we look forward to hopefully having you on again as the uh, season gets closer. I'd love to. You just call. I'll jump on with you guys. Appreciate Thanks. it, Coach. Good you, buddy. Thank you. Okay, man. Greg getting a chance to talk with Dave Wanstead. You know, Stacey, I did a show with him for a couple of years over at NBC Sports Chicago, and it was always tough to get him in the studio in time because everybody wanted to hear him tell stories. And yeah. he'd get into one of these Jimmy Johnson stories about or his college experiences at Pitt and all the rest of this stuff, and people would just be all gathered around waiting for him to tell a tale. I, I was impressed. <laughs> I, I, I was like, man, Dave Wanstead knows a lot about football. Yeah. You know, and it was just really, it was cool sitting here listening to him tell stories. I mean, he had everything in detail. Right. You know, and that's impressive, man. Yeah, he didn't have the best rosters here, but he did the best he could with it. And he went to Miami and he won 11 games a couple of seasons as head coach of the Dolphins. Uh, just want to get a baseball note in here real quick. Uh, the the Cubs really are coming off a disastrous road trip. They went one and six against the Marlins and oh, the Washington Lord. Nationals. So they're calling up their top prospect, Matt Mervis. Mash Mervis is coming up to Wrigley Field to play Friday against the Marlins. He hit 36 homers last year in the minor leagues. He's got this country strength, and they're hoping he's going to be a big deal for the Cubs. Well, you know what? You, you knew it was a matter of time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I pro probably sooner than they thought. Um, you know, maybe they were looking at maybe coming in maybe after June and bringing him up. Mm -hmm. um, but they definitely need they need something. They need something for the fans to get excited about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, they started off pretty good. And then all of a sudden now the weather's starting to warm up and and uh, they're, they're getting cold. Yeah, they, the two, two Chicago teams going the opposite way. Uh, the White Sox had, had fallen to the bottom of the American League. Then they won three in a row. And then this afternoon, they lost an extra inning game to the Twins where they could have cut into the division lead. And and that's been a kind of a strange situation, too. They finally get Tim Anderson back, but they, they've got a lot of ground to make up over the next the coming months. Yeah, but I, I see them I see them turning it around. They, they got the better players. I, I see them turning it around. Um, you know, these the, the key to the White Sox, just like it is with the Bulls, is your main players have to stay healthy. Right. If your main players go down, you know, like I said, I keep thinking someone has a voodoo doll of the White Sox and the Bulls, and we need to find out who it is. It might be Francisco, the double <laughs> agent. Francisco, he might have the voodoo doll with his LL Cool J hat on. Going back to Cali. Cali, Cali. I don't think so. <laughs> and how about the uh, Liam Hendricks story? Not only has he got oh. a great bill of health, but he was – Throwing 97-98 down in Arizona. He was back at Guaranteed Rate Field saying, just give me a few tune-up appearances. He could be back in a major league uniform in a couple of weeks. Great story. Yeah. Great, great story, man. I mean, it's it's so, as a fan, you know, uh, just 
awesome to see him back. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering where he was, where he was at, and then where he's at now, that's awesome. And that's that's the inspiration for anybody. And I know his teammates are going to be inspired by him when he comes back full time. So, uh, congratulations to him. That's awesome. In his yeah, family. we wish him all the best. Hey, one of our favorite segments here on Give Me the Hot Sauce is to give you folks some uh, tips on what you might want to check out, whether it's network TV, streaming services, what have you. It's sponsored by our good friends at Bigger's Mazda. The <laughs> sizzling new Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in Illinois. Bigger's is offering a bottle of Stacy's Signature Hot Sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. It's your choice. Everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. So join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin at Bigger's Mazda. Speaking of the hot sauce, uh, Jewel Osco, that's, that's right it's on coming, the baby. Yeah. We did. They just ordered all their cases. They ordered almost 400 cases of the hot wow. sauce, which will be on this all their shelves. And we are off and running in probably a week. So we're excited about that. Is that why Whispers isn't here? He's got a stock no, of shelves no. Whisper, of Jewel Osco. Whispers is, uh, he, he's like, you know, he's going out with like the, he's going to a wedding. Okay. So uh, he's going out to Vegas uh, in a wedding. Uh, his buddy's getting married. And um, so that's where he's at right now. So hopefully he'll have some stories to tell about he, being in Vegas. Me. Uh, he's been yeah, in Vegas no. a, d- a million trust me, times, right? Trust me, he's going to be saying like the hangover movie. That's what it's going to be <laughs> with him. He's going to end up being somewhere where he shouldn't be. Right. You know, walking around, running down the strip with no clothes on. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> So a whispers is a way. Make sure to place your order at gimmethehotsauce.com until the, the stores are fully shocked, stocked in Jewel Osco stores in the state of Illinois. You can uh, always get contact with us at gimmethehotsauce.com and Tim will have somebody packing it Someone up. Someone will be packing it. Yeah. Somebody's got to pack it. It might be him and Christopher Walken. <laughs> So you got any recommendations on uh, what are we watching this week? Yes. Let me okay. tell you something. I don't know how I've been sleeping on this show. Somebody, my son told me about it. said, dad, you need to watch Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I've seen that. And I've never watched it. I think yeah. I saw the first episode and I was like, I'm not watching this. Cause it was so hard to understand because they have so such strong British accents. Yeah. So you sit there the whole time trying to decipher what they're saying. But but as you as you watch the show, it becomes easier to understand what they're saying. And they don't mess around. Hey, hey, <laughs> man, hey, I'm going to tell you something. America is not a children's show, okay? No, no. Just because you hear Peaky doesn't mean it's a little child show, okay? Yeah. The Peaky Blinders is, woo, man. It's like it's 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 like set in like 19, the 40s, 30s, 40s. I think it's um, even further back than that. Yeah, oh, man. And then, you know, they show this this gang in England, how they come into power. Yeah. And uh, the, the lead character, uh, Tommy Shelby, yeah. the lead character, and he's and it's his, his whole family runs this business, yeah. and uh, they're ruthless, man. Yeah, Tommy they're, doesn't they're, mess Tommy around. Sh- hey, listen, Tommy <laughs> Shelby does not mess around. That dude is. Uh, I, I've been binge watching it, and now I done caught up. And yeah. I'm telling you right now, man, that is a great show. I don't know how I was uh, not you know hip to this, but uh, Peaky Blinders, I, a, a must watch for you people. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, I watched the whole thing, and, and Tom, Tommy's a great character. Oh. Speaking of Tommy, is, is is Force coming back on soon? Power? Yes, and you know what? Oh, America, you, you never sleep on the king, baby. The king always gets great guests. <laughs> Tommy Tommy said he's going to come on the Joseph show. Joseph Sikora? Yeah, Joseph, yeah, he's going to get because he's wow. from Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, wow, that'd uh, be great. I, I reached out to him. 
Tommy said he he said I'm a, we're gonna wait till the the show comes back on full you know when it starts and then he'll come back on he'll come on and also also been working I got Michael Rappaport in the background coming oh baby I've been working I've been working I've been working hard uh, on behind the scenes well since we're talking about great guests coming oh! up coming up next week on Give Me the Hot Sauce it'll be on our normal Thursday time around five o'clock Central Time. Stacy King's old coach, Phil Jackson, yes. the Zen master, is going to join us. I assume he's in Montana somewhere, so he's yeah. going to hook him up Yellowstone. He might be a Yellowstone with, with uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, yeah, we're waiting John for Dutton. that. Yeah. He doesn't look like that anymore, though. <laughs> that was when his young feel right there. That was like first-year feel. Um, it'll be interesting because there's a lot of hot topics with Phil. You know, there'll be a, you know, a lot of information. You know, you hear about the championship teams. We'll be talking about the comparisons between the Lakers, you know, the three-peat teams and, and the the Bulls, you know, he's been in the news lately. So it'll be interesting to talk some of these things about what feel. So make your plans to join us. It's going to be fascinating to talk about Phil and, and that, those championship teams and, and what he's doing now because Phil has, has kept a very low profile. So because it's Stacy's show, he's agreed to join us. And it's going to be a fascinating conversation to talk about all things NBA, although he did make some news recently saying he hasn't watched the NBA in a number of years. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know what? And listen, <laughs> sometimes sometimes things can be taken out of context. Exactly. And there's yeah. no way in the world. Listen, I, I'm... I'm a Phil Jackson supporter. There's no way in the world Phil Jackson is racist or, you know, uh, he's just not. Now, whatever was said about the 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 bubble and he hasn't right. watched it, I read it. I, I believe some of that stuff was taken out of context. And I'm sure, and Phil, Phil's an educated guy. He 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 knows how to handle himself in the mm -hmm. press. I, I don't see that being what everybody thinks it is. Right. So, because there's no way in the world Phil, Phil could coach all these African-American players and feel certain ways about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I you know, I can't wait to ask him a story about your draft workout too. Uh, he might not remember. <laughs> he might he might he might deliberately not remember that one. <laughs> Regular <laughs> listeners that give me the hot sauce God, know all back. about that, but we'll go back, baby. Uh, yeah. Episode I don't know what episode, but it's like one of the first episodes. Baby. We'll we'll uh, we'll chat with that about <laughs> Phil and a whole lot of other things. So that's coming up next week on Give Me the Hot Sauce. And uh, is Mike back? Are you driving here today? Mike is currently in Dublin, Ireland. Oh, he's following uh, Bruce. He's, he's, he's chasing Bruce Springsteen around, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure now Bruce Springsteen has his picture up on the concert wall saying, if you see this guy, be <laughs> alert. He's following me all over the country. I, I met him in Tampa. I saw him in Tampa. I've seen him now in Dublin, Ireland. I'm probably see him in Spain, so please yeah. keep an eye on this guy here. So, Mike, this is you. I know you're listening right now, baby. I'm not Bruce Springsteen, but I'm, I'm pretty close to being a boss. <sighs> Windy City Limousine provides championship service. Making a reservation is so easy it's a slam dunk let windy city break the full court pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time contact windy at 847-916-9300 that is 847-916-9300 or go to windycitylimos.com we appreciate everybody who follows us on the live chat during our YouTube shows and uh, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button. So we we're hoping to increase our YouTube following. So make sure you make your presence known and hit the subscribe button so we can alert you to when the new episode and the great guests are coming up. want to thank our shorthanded Sriracha crew. we got Nikki Knuckles and Cisco who've been doing everything full services. Listen, and we want to send uh, our best out to Maddie Keller, who's uh, on the men for Mono. 
So yeah, we'll yeah, she's, get her back she's quarantined. She's yeah. quarantined and she's uh, at home right now. So she'll probably be back next week. But but shout out to Nick and shout out to Francisco. To Did a great to, job. Yeah, having to, having to take different roles today. Yeah. You know, different roles they're not used to doing. But you know, again, it's like Tom Thibodeau says. You know, a next man up. Yeah, we got so more than enough. We got more than enough to do this show, <laughs> and we did it. So congratulations to those two guys. Good job today, boys. Ran very smoothly. So mark your calendars Thursday. That'll be May 11th. Phil Jackson, 5 o'clock. Michael! So on YouTube. Michael! <laughs> Triangle! Can't Center wait opposite. to hear some of those Center stories opposite. from the Zen Master. <laughs> our, thanks to, our thanks to Dave Wanstead for joining us today. And we've got a big show coming up next week. So as we mentioned, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything that's going on with Give Me the Hot Sauce, a brand new show every week. Stacy, time to get out of here. Drive home safe to Chicago. Beep, beep. Give me the hot sauce. What are you doing, Dragons? Did you not get the Assassin does it again!